I'm going to make myself sound bad here, but seven years working through college, uh, riding pack horses up in the Sierras, you know, and no one told me I could have been fishing for a living, but so I was riding these pack horses and a lot of it was cresting over, you know, that zone. And it's pretty interesting that, you know, as soon as you hit that divide, you look east and it's nothing but shale, you know, shale rock and desert conditions, sagebrush. And to the west is nothing but granite and huge trees, you know, so it's, it's really kind of like cool to hit that line. And I mean, it's just so distinct, you know. That was Brian Fisher describing the uniqueness of the Sierra Nevada, taking you to the east and west side of the Sierras today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how are you doing today? Thank you for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. If you are brand new to the podcast, uh, stop right now, click that subscribe button and whatever app you're using there, or uh, if you're an Apple, just click that plus sign right in the top and that'll get you updated so that next episode uh, heads out to you. If you like this one, you're probably going to like the next one as well today. So uh, Brian Fisher, the head man at Sonora Fly Co. is here to break down a season in the Sierra Nevada. We dig a little bit into a few general topics and then find out about their uh, some of their world-class lakes a big change in the fishing regulations for california this year and where brian would be sending you if you came into the fly shop right now today another fly shop friday on thursday without further ado here is brian fisher from sonorafly.com how's it going brian uh it's going really well Thanks for taking the time uh, this morning to dig into a little bit of uh, Sonora Fly. Uh, we, I recently had uh, been reaching out to some of our listeners, and we did this thing. And this is probably the most feedback we've had ever on a, a email blast. But I said, you know, tell me who your favorite fly shop is, and I've got literally hundreds of these responses. And and you guys popped out as one of those shops. I think it was Julie, I believe. I, I can't remember. There's a few couple people that mentioned you guys, but they said they love you guys. So I wanted to reach out, and I'm doing this Fly Shop Friday thing now, where we're trying to reach out. Out to as many shops as we can so that, that's where we connected to you i'm not sure how are things going down there uh it's good you know we're a year and a half into it it's, it's kind of been a let's say probably a whirlwind of a year and a half um but yeah it's been it's been nothing but great there you go so this is already starting off as a great story because the uh the year and a half as opposed to you know we've done some of these where you're, you're talking to um company that's been around for 20 years some of these companies right a lot longer but you're brand new i'd love to hear what it feels like from your perspective. Well, tell me, first of all, we always go back to how you got into fishing, but I'm curious uh, how the fly shop idea started. How did you, you know, a year and a half ago, how did that begin? You know, I, I think it's something that my wife and I talked about for quite a while. Like I've been in the same industry since getting out of college and, you know, it's, it's been a good industry, but always kind of looking towards something else that was a little bit more fun, you know? So we, we talked about it for probably the last five, six, seven years, different versions of what fishing looked like professionally, you know, where we going to guide, open a shop, you know? So we kind of bounced around a bunch between those, those ideas before we finally landed on actually doing the fly shop. So, um, yeah, I think it was just, you know, just, I hate to sound boring about it, but you know, just long-term planning and, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I had an office in downtown Sonora, you know, personality wise, it fit. I like being in the, you know, the same space every day. There's some of those guys that couldn't imagine that couldn't imagine being inside all day, but I, I like creating my little prison here and, and <laughs> you know, I enjoy it. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. What, what is, uh, what's Sonora for somebody that hasn't been there? What, what's cool. What, what's unique about Sonora? Sonora is what I would say, you know, probably one of those last cool towns in California where it's authentic, you know, it's not just 
box stores and strip mm-hmm. malls and you know everything was was blown up you know over the last five years i mean all the buildings are old you know the people have been here for generations you know there's there's a lot of logging and tree work um there's a lot of utility work um you know there's it's a big enough community that you don't have to leave and small enough that you still kind of know everybody when you walk around during the day so it's 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 really cool i love it here hmm, nice well let's go back a little bit further just because i want to connect the dots here so i'm you know first fly fishing what was your first experience how did you get into it probably uh the worst thing you could do as a as a beginning fly fisherman but it was a trip in the spring on the lower sack and once you do that one time i was in my early 20s my dad and i um amazing guy that's still up there justin thompson uh he's he's still up there fishing every day but just one of those days you know tons of fish big fish just no idea what to expect you know deep indicator rigs and um i mean once you have a day like that you're pretty much pretty much into it so there you go so he had a good and justin thompson yeah, Justin Thompson. I think uh, JT fishing up in Reading, but he's a uh, longtime resident up there, and you know, one of the the big mix of great guides that work that area up there. So, okay, nice. And so now that you're a year and a half, what's it feel like now? Do you feel like you're still kind of a whirlwind? Or are you getting comfortable there? I think we're we're starting to get comfortable. You know, it's it's a year and a half of data entry and meeting everybody and kind of getting the pulse on everybody and figuring out the shop, but. I think we're we're finally starting to uh, get to the point where we can enjoy it instead of playing catch up. Um, you know, I still don't know. You know, we learned a ton this first year, this first year and a half. But I, you know, it's hard to say that that's going to be the the norm for the next twenty years. Right. You know, it doesn't sound like from from everyone I've talked to that this last year and a half has been indicative of what fly fishing uh, in the industry is. So right, but right. If this is what it is, and this is what it stays. Man, I'm happy because people are are pretty excited about it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We're, as we come out of the, it's like the, the real estate thing where they say that if you, uh, you know, get into your real estate agent during the boom of the market, which actually we're in a boom now you're in, you get in now, that's fine. But wait until you're down at the bottom again to see how many people last, right. When, when it's tough. So I guess fly fishing might, you know, get a little tougher. Do you think, what do you think it's going to turn out to be? You know, I don't know. I've learned that everything that I've expected to this point has been wrong. So, um, so I'm trying to slowly abandon having those opinions and try to do that forecasting and just kind of, you know, write it in the moment for the time being. So, you know, I I think people stick with it. Why wouldn't they, you know, once they, once they catch a fish, if you can get them to catch a fish faster and you can get them into fish their first one, two, three times out, um, and give them some building blocks, like why, why wouldn't they keep doing it? It's the best, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because that's kind of this this cycle, right, of people, you have a beginner that comes in and they want to catch fish and then you eventually catch lots of fish and then you feel like, well, it's maybe not about the fishing as much as it is being on the trips and the travel and the the places. And I mean, for you, what gets you excited when you think about fishing? Are you, do you have a, a species or a place or, you know, something that gets you going? I've tried to settle in on what that is for me. And it's, it's hard. I, I you know, like personality wise, I say, uh, it's the Jack of all trades type, you know, like I, I love this area because I love the variety. I love that you can go down and chase stripers. You can do some great still water fishing. You can go, you know, catch all the bass you want, trophy bass and, and hunt big Browns. And, you know, there's 365 days a year. And I'd say that's one of their big, big, you know, thing that I love about this area is that literally 365 days a year, there's some really, really, really good fishing to be had somewhere, you know, but at the same time, you end up second guessing every decision that you make, you know, so one day you may be fishing for bass and you're just thinking, oh, I should have been up here fishing, you know, for trout (laughs) or, 
vice versa. So, you know, you have to contend with uh, getting to the point where you're okay making the decisions on a daily basis. So, Gotcha. Well, let's take it to the shop. So if I'm walking in there, if somebody's walking in there right now into your shop, take us there. What, what are we seeing? What, what are we looking like? Uh, you know, the funnest part for us, I'd say so far, I've got, uh, my graphic designer working in here full time now. And he's also my, uh, good friend in town. So we're pretty heavy on the branding. Um, so you see a lot of Sonora fly company stuff. We've, Mm -hmm. uh, we've taken it personal uh, against the local crustaceans. And so a lot of crowd based marketing, but, uh, a lot of Sonora fly stuff. Um, you know, right now we're transitioning into Christmas. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it's more of that, outerwear, um, you know, mid-layer stuff, uh, a lot of clothing, but you know, yeah, uh, we've got a nice case up front where, you know, all of our reels and things are like, like that are up front. Um, good tying selection in the back of the shop, pretty big. It's a small front. So most people don't expect much walking in, but, um, you know, we're almost 2000 square feet and we've got it packed in here pretty good. The other thing that we added this year was, uh, was conventional bass tackle. So that's, a whole different avenue, but it's, it's been a nice compliment to what we're doing. And, you know, those two tactics don't seem to butt heads very much. So it's been a nice, nice addition. That's right. Yeah. We were just doing an episode on smallmouth bass over in, uh, kind of Wisconsin. And it was interesting because, uh, we were talking to, I'm trying to think of the fly shop up there, but they were, um, uh, he had been there from the beginning of when bass fishing, you know, like 20 years ago was really, you know, people in the fly fishing space were like, what's well, bass fishing? Come on. You, no, we don't want to fish for bass. And now it's become a really popular, right? And do you see it out there as just, I mean, getting, you see the popularity increasing? I hope so. I hope so. You know, the lakes are world-class around here. I mean, New Maloney's and Don Pedro, you know, we've got the Delta an hour down the road. I mean, the bass fishing is incredible and I love it. Um, you know, but I don't know, you know, uh, I would love to say that's going to be a big part of things. I'm going to do my best to push that angle. Cause I like it. I enjoy it. And it's, it's fun. You can go out and catch a lot of really big fish, um, doing it, but you know, you need a boat and you need, you know, all that other stuff is maybe more of a mental block than it is, you know, an, an actual block, but it's hard to get people unfocused from the trout. And I totally understand. I mean, this is, gorgeous places, you know, it's just kind of what everybody thinks of with fly fishing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess we should clarify too on the bass. So which bass species are we talking about here? Uh, you know, we have mostly spotted bass and largemouth bass. Like Tolik has a bunch of smallmouth bass and they've got some really nice largemouth. Uh, new Maloney's is probably our premier, uh, lake and it's just loaded. You know, we had the world record spot for a while. I think we're probably have two or three out of the top 10. Um, and there's more in there. Uh, and then they've got a lot of a lot of largemouth bass, a lot of five to ten pound bass. Um, it's a great swim bait lake, um, you know. So for fly fishing, it's it's you know bait fish patterns and leeches and you know. There you go. Okay. Well, I think it'd be fun here to dig into maybe a a year in kind of a re- year of review uh, here in a second. But I'm curious because. You know, the Sierra Nevadas, there's two big things that come up a lot, right? You hear about the Sierra Nevadas and Yosemite. We, In fact, we were talking about doing a trip, kind of a road trip here, um, you know, maybe in a few weeks and just cruising down and, you know, maybe stopping by some national parks. And Yosemite is always on that list. Just take us there a little bit. What What's the draw? Is Yosemite, is that area or is the Sierra Nevadas? Which one's kind of the more popular? Are they kind of equal out there? You know, in terms of fishing, I, Yosemite is, is, yeah, absolutely fantastic. You know, it's, it's gorgeous. Uh, the Merced River flows through the valley floor uh, and then it, you know, kind of dives out into the western front of the Sierras, into the foothills and ends up in Lake McClure. But 
you know, yeah, there's some, you know, a lot of slicks, a lot of big flat pools, low flows in the summertime, you know, um, there's some big browns to be had in there, uh, down on the West end of the park, it gets more into that pocket water, you know, boulder strewn pocket water. And, you know, you can go in there and European nymphing is just fantastic. But I'd say overall, there's probably some better systems. And then, you know, people just assume that there's going to be big crowds, you know, for the last couple of years, they've had a reservation system. So I think that people tend to, you know, view Yosemite itself as more of a, hey, let's go there, check it out. And then, you know, outside of the park, like the Tuolumne River, the Stanislaus River, you know, some of our high Sierra lakes, like they're just, they're probably better fisheries overall. And so that usually draws the people. So, or the anglers, I should say. So. Gotcha. Yeah. It's what it is. It's a national park and a, a cool place, but it might not be the, you might not spend your whole time fishing there. Yeah. And there's, I mean, definitely opportunities. The guys have pulled some really, really big browns out of there, go there in the late fall and, you know, like, but it's a, I would say that's more of a specialty thing. That's not something that, you know, people are doing on a daily basis. And then, you know, obviously just with the number of people and the fact that they're all consolidated into this tight Valley floor, they're all along the river, you know? So it's, uh, you know, so yeah, there's definitely opportunities, but out of the park and right, you know, surrounding the park and the rest of the Sierras, I think is where most of the action for the fly fishermen or for the anglers, uh, is where it's at. Okay. Well, let's, let's take it to, it's, um, you know, let's say it's uh, mid December. Like you said, the cool thing about California is you got fishing year round and which is great. Uh, <laughs> so let's, let's think it's mid December. I walk in the shop and, um, and I'm kind of like, okay, wh- I want to go fishing. What, what do you tell somebody that's asking you that? Uh, well this year, um, and hopefully, you know, everyone's checked the rule books and everything, but this year, California made a pretty significant change to their rules. So back March 1st, there's usually always a a general trout season, you know, the last Saturday, April through November 15th, but this year they changed all the regulations. So now, uh, after general trout season closes on November 15th, you can still fish all of the upper Sierra Nevada rivers. You just have to go, you know, barbless fly, artificial bait, and catch and release, which is which is great for the fly angler, you know. So we're telling guys. I mean, I'm I'm always 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 pushing the lake. I'm always pushing bass, um, still water fishing. So you know, right now New Maloney's is is turning on. There's trout. There's bass. Um, both are just you know everywhere right now, and you can go have really good days. Uh, the, the lake's pleasant. It's you know when you hit the water at 8 a.m. It's probably 50 degrees and warms up to the high sixties, low seventies on a day like today. Um, nice. you know, so it's pretty hard to beat that. Uh, not a lot of wind this time of year. The Sears are also fishing great. You know, we're losing some of that dry fly action, but nymphing is going to produce all the fish you want. You know, there's some Browns moving up and doing their thing. Um, the Tuolumne river begins to turn on, uh, you know, the, the flows are down around two, 300 CFS. So you can really start going and, you know, nipping and even throwing some streamers on the Tuolumne River and getting into some quality trout. So it's kind of hard, you know. Uh, you you got to pick, you know. So, what if it was Browns? What if I wanted to find some, some Browns, maybe some big Browns? Is there some of that in the upper, like you're saying, Sierra Nevadas, or is that somewhere you got to head down lower? Yes, there are. So uh, I would say the middle fork of the Stanislaus uh, and the north fork of the Stanislaus probably have the biggest percentage of those um you're going to be in a in an elevation of you know 4,000 to 6,500 feet um you know the higher up you go you get above 6,500 feet that fishing is starting to tail off a little bit the nights are really cold um coincidentally you know it's what is it November 17th and they opened up uh Sonora Pass over the Sierra so right now you can drive to 
Eastern California and go fish that Eastern corridor. So, you know, I think a lot of guys this week have plans to do that. The East Walker, uh, this is one major bummer, but the East Walker was a river that they had open all year long before. Um, arguably the best time to fish it is November to April. Um, and for some reason with this new regulation change, they closed the East Walker and made that a general trout season river. So, but from what I understand, the Nevada portion still open. So I think a lot of guys are probably bouncing over the hill this week and getting some time in there on the East Walker before they, uh, they can't get over the pass anymore. Gotcha. Well, so there's, um, yeah, so you got a ton, it sounds like a ton of rivers. So if we're keep it focused on the Browns, so on the Browns, can you fish starting? I mean, when's the best time fishing for those Browns? I mean, seems like right now, seems like pre-spawn, um, you know, uh, the, the nights are starting to get cold. We're finally getting some of that colder weather, you know, in spurts. So, um, you know, I've heard mixed reports. I've heard that they're, they're done. I've heard that they're just starting. So, you know, unless you're out there every day, it's, it's hard to say, but, um, there's a few lakes along the middle fork of the Stanislaus along that system. There's Beersley Reservoir and Donnell Reservoir, and there's some really, really big, you know, lake browns in those lakes, and they'll start moving up, you know, um, this time of year. So, you know, overwhelmingly, I'd say most of the guys are catching rainbows. There, there are browns around for sure. Um, it's not, it's not prolific like it is in other states, you know, or like it is, you know, on the eastern side of California. But, but the rainbows are here, and in the wintertime, you know, out of out of the big lakes, out of New Maloney's, and out of out of Don Pedro, the really, really big you know, wild rainbows will start moving up into those rivers. And, you know, from now until February, that becomes the prime focus for a lot of local anglers. What is the technique, just generally speaking, again, if you're talking about browns uh, a little bit here, for what, what's the technique you'd be using? Are you kind of as a streamer, dry flies? What are you doing there? Uh, dry fly limited, you know, in some sections when the flows are low enough. But, you know, like, yeah, I've... I've seen some some really cool videos from some local guys that just snorkel the rivers and when they you know when they have that footage of those browns just parked under those boulders and you realize where they spend their time you know like the, I'd say the differential between some of these western Sierra rivers are they're just so deep you know um, the canyons are so steep you know the the river's not very far across you know maybe it's it's only forty feet wide but you know you have to run a twelve foot indicator rig to get it down there. So Euro nymphing has been just, I mean, Euro nymphing, I'm sure everywhere has just changed the game for a lot of people. So again, we go back, that's the thing about it. Yeah, we, every time we talk Euro nymphing on the show, it definitely gets lots of listens because it's a popular, well, it's super effective, right? I mean, is there a better way to catch fish, do you think? I mean, do you do quite a bit of Euro nymphing? I do. Um, I do. I think it's a blend, you know, um, and one of the biggest things, you know, I'm, listen, I'm no expert, you know, but one of the biggest things I've started doing is just putting my indicator on my cider and just comboing it up because these European nymphing rods and with that, you know, with that European nymphing line, it's, it's such a low profile. There's, you know, even if it's sinking in the water, ripping down a current between your indicator and your rod, like it's not creating that much drag on that indicator, you know? Um, and you can get really effective, you know, 50 foot drifts, with that setup. So I think combination, you know, some of the rivers, like the best ones that produce for us in the winter are going to be producing in the, you know, the 12, 13, 14 foot deep holes with that really slow moving current working out into a big deep pool, you know? And so in that situation, you know, you just can't really get long enough drift. It's a little too deep. It's a little too slow. So yeah, you got to have the indicator rig with you, but um, the middle fork and the South fork and the North fork, I mean, those rivers are just, 
So, you know, you get under 200 CFS, 100 CFS, like it's just, it's perfect because it may be an eight foot deep pocket that's, you know, that's three feet long or four feet long, you know. But it is, I think that's why, like we talk about it in the shop all the time, I think that's why it's a little bit harder to pick up browns as opposed to rainbows around here is just because, you know, that boulder may be so big that you can't, you know, you just can't get to them, you know. Yeah, you just can't get it. You can't get down to there's hanging. Yeah. So now if we were talking kind of December, let take us through the, you know, into the next year, say, you know, December into January, February, March. What, what's that look like? So the biggest thing for us, I would say, is all of our rivers are divided into uppers and lowers. Um, you know, there's a whole series of, of really big, you know, reservoirs that run along the western slope of the Sierras. You know, for us, it's McClure, uh, Don Pedro, Maloney's, and then maybe up to Comanche as you work north. And below those, the, the tailwaters feed out into the delta system, out to the ocean. So you get you know, salmon runs, that's why they close, they close those rivers, uh, October 31st to January 1st. They're trying to get more salmon to run back up the rivers. They've had a tough time with that, but we get a, a run of Valley steelhead too. And that's, that's a big draw. Uh, so January 1st, those open up, everyone's down the hill, fishing the lower Tuolumne, the lower Stanislaus, the McCallumne. Um, and so that for steelhead, yeah, and they're not, you know, they're not big chromers, but you know, there's, there's 20, you should expect 20 inches when you go down there. Um, which is fun, you know, and then there's also stripers in all of those rivers and, you know, there's a lot of residents and, you know, they're thicker in the summertime when they're making their migratory runs, but there's some, some really nice resident fish and, you know, they're, they're down there and available from January 1st on. So, you know, some of the, the savvy guys in town that have figured it out, they're kind of living for it now, but it's hard to, uh, once you see, you know, the, just a monster striper in 200 CFS in a clear river, it's, you know, it's hard to go back. So. So yeah, and that pulls some guys down and, and, uh, and then that middle fork of the Tuolumne is still going. So that's, that's pulling a lot of guys. Um, you know, the middle fork of the Stanislaus this year is going to be open for the first time. So I think that's going to be a big question mark. I think a lot of guys are going to spend some time seeing what it's about. Cause it can be, you know, Maloney's has some, some really big trout and, you know, the middle fork overall is probably the most fished section of the Stanislaus that we have in, in our area. So. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, again like you said at the start. There's a ton to do, so it's kind of wherever you're gonna focus your time. Uh, so that's kind of uh, say January, February, March. What if you take it into mm-hmm. or you know getting into spring, kind of March, April, May? What do you? What, how does things change there, or where are you focusing? Yeah, I think April, May. I mean, up until April, you're still catching those lake run rainbows. Maybe the end end of March um, in the bigger sections of the upper rivers. April, May is probably that transition time. Um, the flows are fairly high and pretty cold. Um, so the season gets really winding towards Memorial weekend. Uh, but once Memorial weekend hits, you know, the summertime, the high Sierras, like that's what everybody is doing. Um, Kennedy Meadows on the middle fork of the Stanislaus, you know, Pinecrest, uh, just all the, the smaller rivers, dry fly bites are, you know, bananas. You can go up there and catch dry fly fish all day long on all the rivers, um, hopper droppers end up being probably the go-to, you know, but that's when, you know, one of the, the great things about this area too, and, you know, we talk about variety or whatever, but you don't have to be a great angler. You can just be getting into it and you can still go catch a ton of fish in these rivers. Like these fish are willing to eat all summer, anything, you know, they're opportunistic. Uh, they're not that picky. You know, I don't want to make them sound like they're dumb or anything, but you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just, they are fish. <laughs> it's great you know, for a beginning angler to come up here and have a great experience, you know, 
like you said, I think we were talking earlier, there's a progression. You, you catch a few fish, then you catch a bunch of fish, and then you want to start looking towards bigger fish. And, you know, that bunch of fish, I mean, we have that all day long, so... Yeah, and that's all day long in the, especially like you're saying, the summer, early summer, summertime, high Sierras, and that's yep. where people are focusing. Yep, totally. Everyone's camping up the hill. And I mean, that was the biggest thing during COVID was, you know, like everyone couldn't do anything else. So they went camping and we, there was record numbers of people up in the Sierra Nevadas. I mean, it was, just, it was insane, but you know, like, I, I like to think that, Hey, you know, you come in the shop, Hey, I've always thought about fly fishing. Okay. Hey, here's a, here's a little bit of information. Here's a little bit of equipment, like go right here. And we do that all summer. Hey, take your stuff, go to this spot right here. And people come back and they're just like, Oh my gosh, I caught seven, eight fish. I never would have thought, you know, that's awesome. So, so if somebody is, you know, listening now and they're, they're heading that way, you know, as far as a resource you could direct them to, I mean, where would you tell if, is there, is there some resource other than, I mean, they could stop by the shop Where else would you direct them? We're slowly working on that. So, you know, we're working on getting more of that information on the site, you know, printed, you know, that's, that's kind of our main focus right now is, is funneling that information to people so they can, you know, have one spot to go and get it. But yeah, stop by the shop. I mean, the South Fork of the Stanislaus River is probably, you know, from little town of Strawberry on the Highway 108 down is, is like the best place you can go as you get into the sport. Um, okay. Yeah. So there you, go. there you go. That's the secret spot. Don't worry. It, it holds a lot of people <laughs> yeah. and there's, there's a lot of water there. So it's not that big of a deal, but yeah, it's, it's a great, right. if, if you're getting into it, that's the spot to go. Okay. There you go. So that's good for the, the, the beginner. And then if you maybe are want to get away from maybe a few of the crowd, but it sounds like it, that's not even really an issue. Is there, you know, are there any places you go where it feels like it's a little too crowded and you have to kind of get up or is it easy to get away from people? it's really easy to get away from people. And that's kind of a, that's kind of the benefit in, you know, the crux of our problem too. It's never going to be a, you know, this area is never going to be a heavily guided, you know, show up, you know, why is that? Uh, I think it goes back to the same thing that we don't catch all those, you know, a lot of Browns, just the giants. It's just, or no, just, it's just access, you know, um, there's no, you know, there's no river put in, like you said, there's no put-ins, there's no takeout. So floating isn't really an option. Um, Nick who works in the shop here said it best, like this place rewards the angler that puts in their time. There's miles and miles and miles of rivers, you know, running into crowds will never, ever be a problem around here, but, oh wow, you know, it's just not something where you just drive up to the river and jump out and you have, you know, and there's spots definitely, there, there are definitely spots, but you know, there's, there's a lot of water that never sees, you know, an angler around here. And so if you're willing to, you know, hike a mile and really like, I think that threshold is probably a quarter mile. If you're willing to hike a quarter mile, you can always find your own water around here. So you know, Pinecrest is probably the only place that, that gets pounded with people, but that's, that's a lake and it's planted fish and it's, that's what it's designed for, you know? And are people not, um, putting in kind of like a grabbing a pontoon boat and dumping it over the bank and floating that sort of thing? No, the upper rivers are too, too steep for that. Um, the middle fork of the Tuolumne is a well-known whitewater rafting. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really well-known for white. There's an 18 mile run down into Don Pedro. That's, that's, you know, class three, four. That's the whole summer there, but it's all class four stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the lower rivers, I would say yes, and and we try to differentiate that for people. But the lower rivers down in the valley, the tailwaters down there, those things are ideas. It's all class one, class two. You know, a one-man pontoon boat is like the absolute perfect boat to run on those rivers. Um, you know, other than that, you need – you know, that's probably one of the hard things too is – 
explaining to people like, oh, yeah, hey, the two, the two person boat's awesome if you like to row, you know, but it's not that great if you want to fish. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, but yeah, those one man pontoon boats down there are fantastic. But yeah, it's just, it's just uh, not, not, you know, not low gradient, easy wading rivers. You know, you have to get after it. These are tough. Yeah, I got you. These are, it sounds like even maybe, uh, could be a little dangerous if you're fishing above a, like a rapid and you get swept, you know, you got to be careful. You do. I mean, they're all hydroelectric, you know, river systems or, you know, so there's dams and they drop, you know, raise the flows and, and lower the flow. But on certain ones like the South Fork and the Stanislaus, no, you're never going to, you know, it's, it's always going to be under hundred CFS when you're fishing it. And there's some great spots and that's kind of going back to, you know, what we were talking about. Like if you can, if you can, you know, funnel that information for people. And that's what happens. People will see a picture of, of, of a fish on social media and they'll go to that spot. Well, Hey, start here, spend your first six days here, then move to this one. Cause you're building that you're building wading skills, you're building casting skills, you know, you're looking for an area that's easy to, you know, to, to go fish really. So just to get out and do it. Yeah. What, uh, you know, the Sierra Nevada's obviously is again, like, like we said earlier, it's a, it's a kind of a, uh, popular, you know, when you hear it, it sounds amazing. What, what is the, I guess the first thing, what is the, you got, you got the Nevada, but what is the Sierra? This guy may be a dumb question, but what is the Sierra <laughs> part of that? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, that's, that's, I, uh, actually grew up in the Sierra national forest. And so, <laughs> well, there yeah, you go. I, yeah, but, uh, I do know, like, so the one, the one way I would describe it is it's, you know, there's, there's that, you know, the Pacific crest trail kind of follows that crest of the Sierra Nevadas. Um, and I, spent, you know, seven years and I'm going to make myself sound bad here, but seven years working <laughs> through college, uh, riding pack horses up in the Sierras, you know, and no one told me I could have been yeah. fishing for, for a living, but so I was oh, riding wow. these pack horses and a lot of it was cresting over, you know, that zone. And it's pretty interesting that, you know, as soon as you hit that divide, you look East and it's nothing but shale, you know, shale rock and desert conditions, sagebrush. And to the West is nothing but granite and huge trees, you know? So it's, it's really kind of like cool to hit that line. And I mean, it's just so distinct, you know? Oh, wow. And and you can, and the PTC, does it, does it kind of, as you're hiking it, can you kind of go on both sides of the trail and hit like East and West, or does it kind of stay on the West? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the 108, all these different highways will drive over it at some point. And, you know, like during, there's a bubble now. So, you know, it's funny this year, there's just like this massive bubble of hikers came through all in this two or three week span. Cause they're all timing it, right. Trying to get from Mexico to Canada. And it's just like mayhem for a couple of weeks, um, up at Kennedy Meadows. I think it's one of the re- restock stations, but you're always giving guys, you know, you see people hitchhiking, they, they go down to Kennedy Meadows and get their resupply or spend a night and they hitchhike back up to the top to the trail. And so it's kind of a common thing. If you see those guys, give them a ride back to the top, man, they're working hard. So huh. roll the windows down though, roll the windows down for sure. So <laughs> that's right. This sounds, this sounds pretty amazing. So you got all this stuff going on. You got these people that are going in there, they're hiking from Mexico to Canada. What, what's that? Have you ever thought about doing something like that? Or is that uh, on your bucket list? You know, when we were riding horses, we had intentions of doing it. We had it all laid out and, you know, had, had the whole logistics worked out and then, you know, wives and kids and life and all that kind of stuff happens. 2011 was supposed to be the year for that, but that came Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, but it's impressive to see those guys. I mean, you talk to, you talk to these guys that are doing it, you know, and they're from all over the world and I mean, they're just machines, man. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so, and that's what it is. I mean, you're literally in that place where people are coming from all around the world to do this thing. Maybe, maybe not all fly fishing, but they're, you know, they've got this thing. And what does this thing take? I mean, to do that, do you know how long it takes? 
I mean, it depends. If I was doing it, it'd take me a few years. But like some of these guys are knocking out 25, 30 miles a day and they're Jeez. doing it like, you know, I mean, there's huge elevation changes during the course of a day. Um, so I think it's 2,200 ish miles, uh, in total. Oh, wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah. But yeah. So they're doing, yeah. So that's like 300. So literally they're, this is taking them months and months. This is not just a few months. Yeah. I think, I think five, six months is, is the goal. A lot of them are taking off. Like I think March, April down in Mexico, it seems like it's like the Northern trails. The, I don't know that much about it, but you know, they're all heading North. Um, and then just beating the weather on their way North, you know? Yeah. Beating the weather. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a, uh, a link in the show notes to some video or something on the, if somebody wants to dig into that, this is, I would love to, I mean, that's one of those things where, you know, all this stuff, you know, like you said, family and it just, you know, you can't do everything you want to do in your life. That's the crazy thing, right? Especially the older you get, you realize that it's, uh, you got to kind of pick your things. So you've, so for you, what you've been doing, you've kind of picked fly fishing. Is that your, is that your number one thing? Or do you have some other things that you like doing? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean that, you know, I was always a pretty scattery guy before that. And, you know, it's so funny. My, my wife was so singularly focused on one thing and I was so scatterbrained and kind of all over the place, but like that just consumed, you know, and that's probably the shop. Like if you have a job, you have a wife and a family, you know, there's not a lot of time to add the, the appropriate amount of time you need to dedicate to fly fishing to, you know, to really fill that void or fill that, that need. I shouldn't call it void, but um, and so at some point it's like, well, if something's going to go, you know, I don't, I don't really like my job, so I'll, I'll just change that part of it. So, um, you know, that way, Hey, I, I have to go fish now. So you have to go fish. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> I, I wonder how, I wonder what percentage of people that get into the fly fishing space. I'll bet you it's over 50% that that's part of the reason, right. That they actually dug into some sort of a business in it is that they figure, well, this is, I love this. Why not just do this? Do you think it's higher than 50%? that have that mentality. Yeah. Just like you did where you were like, well, I don't really like my job, so I'm just going to make my job fly fishing. Probably the smart ones are those ones that are in their twenties that you see are that are already guiding, you know, like they got to figure it out early. So, you know, but, uh, but you know, it's like, it's like leaving your hometown and then, you know, you have to leave if you're ever going to come back, you know, cause otherwise you won't really, you know, it's kind of like that, you know? So, you know, without, without knowing the misery of, uh, potentially, a you know, something, doing something you don't enjoy doing, you know, you'll never appreciate getting the opportunity to do something you do enjoy. So. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, let's bring it back to, so we were kind of like midsummer. people are hiking <laughs> the Mexico to Canada. As far as fishing, if you're back into like July, August, September, is that still, is it all just high Sierras? Like is where you're focusing or people are asking where to go? Yeah. Uh, and I would say the same thing. It's kind of a variety, you know, in the spring too, the, 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 the stripers are really moving down the Delta. Um, so we're trying to talk guys, but you know, guys, there's a lot of guys in the Bay area that are really focused on that and really good at it. And there's, you see those anglers down in the Delta all the time. So you see them more down there than you do in our area. But, um, yeah, I think the, the stripers are in the lower rivers. If you can get the right flows, um, you can go after those, uh, bass fishing is good all the way into the summertime. If you have a boat and, and you, you know, can get out there, even if you don't, you know, the top water action on the lakes, you know, early mornings, late evenings can be really, really, really fun. Um, and so you, those guys are still doing that. The, the high Sierras are, you know, basically in full swing from May all the way through, through now, really. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's just, just a huge variety and you kind of get to know everybody over time. That's the cool part of meeting all the guys that, you know, that you see in the shop on a daily basis and you know what everybody's into and, you know, um, you know, you get to pick their brains too and figure out, figure out what's going on. So that's right. 
Are you in, in Sonora, are there other fly shops in there or around the area? Nah, not necessarily. Um, not, not really. There's a great one over on Highway 4, um, the trout spot. Uh-huh. He's a super cool guy. So he's over there. Um, he's got a decent amount of product, but I like to think that we're kind of filling that space in our area. Yeah, I got you. So if you want to come, if if you need gear, like somebody's coming in there, what do you, how's that look? Like if you, if say they're, you know, again, they're looking to upgrade a little bit, um, you know, what do you guys, what rods, real? what do you guys offer in there? Man, I'd say that's the one area that we've, uh, that um, we've really attacked really hard. I don't know if it was just, you know, hearing the reps, you know, tell us uh, some bad news and get scared, you know, like, you know, panic bot, but we have a lot of inventory and it's, it's awesome, man. So rods, I mean, you know, we're, we're pushing Scott as much as we can, you know, we're, we're super stoked to have Scott Orvis Sage in here. Um, echo is without question what we sell the most of, I mean, those rods are unbeatable for the price, for the action, for the service. I mean, everything about that company is amazing. So, you know, Galvin's are pretty much, you know, they're, they're here in town and it's the most amazing family on the planet. So, you know, on the, on the mid to high end stuff, I mean, we are loaded, but that's about all we have are Galvin reels in in the shop here. And then some of those. That's cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're here. Um, you know, we've got pretty much the full lineup of waiters from Patagonia, Orvis and Sims, you know, all the submersible packs and everything else from fish pond and orvis and sims uh yeah try to try to have a pretty big selection of stuff here what do you think uh, you've probably been into a few shops what do you think when you think of your shop what separates you i mean you're not really sounds like competing with anybody but i mean the great thing about shops is the local knowledge right you come in there they can you know you're gonna hook somebody up but what else do you think separates you guys i'm not sure if you're selling online or any of that stuff but as far as trying to make that thing when they come to your place or your you know your website that yeah. it's different or, or do you think a lot of the shops are the same because obviously a lot of people carry orvis because they're a great company and some of the other companies you mentioned yeah so i don't know I, we've always just you know the web thing we're, we're trying to develop that um you know it's, it's a slow going process uh, our goal is always just to be that destination shop um and our goal with the web is just you know like my whole philosophy is streamlining basic information for new anglers to get them on the fish as fast as possible. You know, I, I remember going through it. Everyone does, you know, as you're learning this, you know, Hey, do I have the right fly on? Hey, am I set up right? Like right. it's pretty easy to take all that guesswork out and give a guy a rig and say, you know, go throw this for your first dozen times out and you'll, you'll be fine. You know? So that, you know, we've got a lot of graphics on the wall with different, different, setups you know different knots different you know different visuals you know fly fly you know life stages and the difference between caddis flies and mayflies and things like that you know so um visual uh just trying to get that information where guys can take a quick snapshot you know and have it to reference when they're on the water or, or you know telling them you know hey you're way better off not studying entomology your first year and just learning how to tie a setup really really fast you know have you guys thought about doing a, a podcast or something like that or some sort of uh, content or, you know what I mean? Just, uh, the, the power is obviously it, it sounds like a lot of work to everybody, but I always, I definitely promote it because it's not as hard as you think. And the cool thing is once you get it out there, you know, people come in, they're like, Oh, what about this? They can just download your episode and listen to like, Oh, here's how to fish the North fork of the whatever. Right. Have you oh, guys yeah. thought about doing, digging into some of that stuff? 
A hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's the, the focus, you know, when we were growing, it's, it's a question, Hey, do I, you know, do, I, do we bring on someone full time that, you know, is, is a really good local angler and I've got Nick already, you know, and he's great. Um, but yeah, our second hire was basically, you know, the, the content guy full time. So, you know, um, I hate to sound like a, like a wonky dork, man, but my wheelhouse is sitting in front of a spreadsheet, you know? So, you know, that's, that's the part I enjoy and that's the part I like to spend my time doing. And, and, you know, Zach, uh, is great with the creative end of things and understanding what that direction is and that, that comprehensive plan is. So, um, yeah, I think that's our goal for this year to do more of that, do more of that. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking out loud, it'd be cool. You know, like I said, if I was coming down there in December, you know, I could obviously talk to you, but I could also, if you had a, you know, a back catalog of 10 episodes of like, oh, here's fishing, you know, in December and I can dig into some topic where you guys are maybe, you know, out there on the water or just talking about it. And Nick's kind of, you know, or Nick does a summary of that day. He's like, oh, okay, here's yep. what's going on. Just, just another way to, to, uh, to dig into it. But yeah, no, that's, that's cool, man. I definitely was, it's exciting to hear when people are thinking, I always love seeing new, you know, whether it's a podcast or a channel, you know, out there, that's always cool. You got to have a guy on board that to do that too, that doesn't like that's then, Hey, sorry, Zach, I'm not knocking here. He doesn't like to fish, you know? So it's great. Hey man, just ride along, come with me. You know, we try to do that once a week, once every other week where, you know, we just got done with one on Maloney's, um, last week. So we're, we're slowly editing that and getting that up. Um, Oh, is this on, is this like YouTube? Uh, YouTube, Instagram, you know, we're, once again, we're not that great at understanding the channels that we need to focus on, but we're learning as time goes on. So. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, well, I mean, I always say, again, we're talking about it a little bit, but it's always, you know, find the one thing you guys really enjoy, you know what I mean? Like if it's Instagram or if it's YouTube or podcasting and then start there and just nail that. So you're like, just, yeah. you know, killing it with that yep. channel. And then, and then you can grow out because that's the worst thing is, especially if you don't have the, you know, the staff to spread yourself too thin. So like me, I've doubled down on pretty much all podcasting. I mean, this is like, it's all going into this. And, yeah. Uh, and I think that's why there's been success. So that's the part you enjoy too, right? Like you were saying, I mean, you know. Yep. We're just, you know, sitting here basically just BSing, right, for like, you know, 50 minutes or an hour. And, uh, you know, and there's there's some nuggets along the way, right? Somebody's going to listen to this. Somebody's listening to this right now, and they probably picked up a few tips about, you know, if they're new to the area or even if they they live in Sonora, I'm sure. Um, and, and that's good for you guys because you, you might get some more traffic um, yep. to your shop. but. Well, let's, let's kind of start to take this out of here. And, um, you know, I want to bring us back full circle now as we're going into like, you know, September, October, back to November, December. Um, so, you know, if I was coming up there, let's say back to some November, December and making a trip down there, what, what would that look like? Would it be a lot different if I was say doing the camping thing versus say midsummer, you know, and trying to find places? What, what would you tell me if I was going to be down there in December? Is it more find a hotel, that sort of thing? Well, it's, it's either or. So it depends on what you're all about, you know, and that's changed for me over the last 10 years, I would say for sure. So yeah, I mean, the, that's the great thing about this town. It's I'm all about, I'm all about Brian, by the way, uh, you know, like just doing it out of the truck, like yeah. camping and having all the gear and like, I, I super streamlined it. and efficient, right? Oh yeah. Uh, yep. Efficient. Like I'm not, um, you know, I mean, wouldn't have a camper. We'd be like everything in the pickup and then like everything there. So pop out if we could have a whatever, that's pretty much it. Camping's great. But if we have to do whatever, it's fine. Yep. That's ideal. So there's a few areas. Um, and hey, one thing you can day trip these areas, you know, if I was in the Bay and depends on how aggressive you are, but you know, two and a half hours, you know, you're, you're fishing. So I, I would day trip that all day long too. So 
Um, you know, yeah, you can find whatever. So the, you kind of split the elevations, uh, and we're going to focus on the upper elevations. You know, you go to the lake right now, if you're into lake thing, you know, the lakes have great campgrounds right now. It's, it's, you know, there's turkeys and quail and deer everywhere and all that stuff. And you know, the grass is perfect. So nice. colder nights, you know, probably damp mornings where, you know, there's a lot of condensation on stuff. That's the big barrier to camping in my opinion this time of year. Mm-hmm. You know, but I've definitely done my overnighters in the back of the the truck, you know, camper shell, you know, good to go for a night, you know. Um, but there's some campgrounds or some areas that are still open um, and you can still, you know, go camping. You can finally have a campfire again right now with uh, with the moisture that we've had. So we're past fire season. That's going to become a normal thing where summertime camping just, you know, give up the campfire. Right. No campfires. It's not as pleasant, but there's still tons of areas. Uh, from Sonora, you know, we basically say it's an hour to the water's edge, no matter which direction you go, like other than the lakes. If you want to go fish the middle Tuolumne, you know, by the time you drive down that dirt road and get down to it or, you know, like it's it's going to be an hour to the river's edge. So you can go a lot of different directions and hit some really good water. So, you know, that's kind of what I've gravitated to more these days. Grab a grab a hotel room for a night, you know, throw your stuff in the truck and be out the door. Um but there's all of it, you know, there's, there's, you know, most of the campgrounds you go to right now, you're not going to see anyone else. Um, a few of them you are, uh, but, um, whoever you see is going to be really, really cool. More than likely, they're probably going to be fishing too. You know, you don't, you don't run into a lot of bait guys. You run into a lot of fly anglers this time of year out on the river for the most part. But yeah, I'd say the middle fork of the Tuolumne or the middle fork of the Stanislaus are probably the two biggest draws right now, this time of year, where if you're going to go camp, spend a day or two and, and get some good river time. That's it. Yeah. And there's, like you said, the, the middle fork, the stand lot. What is it? Stan loss? Stanis loss. Oh, Stanis loss. Yep. Stanis loss. Yeah. Um, Stanis loss. So yeah. And there's some campgrounds up there. You could just go on a map and find some like national forest campgrounds, that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm trying to think of any off the top of my head. I mean, bright, I think they're starting to close all the ones a little bit higher up. So it'd really be in those lower sections. Uh, you know, a lot of guys will camp at Beardsley Reservoir, and then they'll fish down below it. There's a great section of river you can park down in the day-use area and hike down below it, and you know, really great pocket water this time of year. So a lot of guys will spend their time down there. Um, that's probably one of the better spots to camp right now. And Beardsley Reservoir, coincidentally, for some reason they planted an enormous amount of brook trout in that lake this year. Um, they're all really nice 14 to 15-inch trout, and oh, wow. they all just took a beeline – to the inlet so you know if you have any sort of floating boat that's a lake you want to be off of early in the morning because it gets windy oh right but you can go to the inlet right now and look around and it looks like an aquarium and you can catch no kidding a hundred fish and you know but the thing is like we talk about those browns we're we're kind of expecting those browns to start moving in and just start you know taking down some of those brook trout so um, there's some quality rainbows in there too, but you know, that was, that was an experience, you know, for a new angler or someone that wants to just go get some action. I mean, that's, I've never seen anything like it. It's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. So that's another killer tip. And, and let's just take the opposite now, just as we kind of, um, take it out of here on, so you got winters. So if you're looking at summer, July, uh, you know, June, July, August, mm-hmm. wh- where would you, if you're coming up there again, it's upper Sierras, there's plenty of camping up there. That yes. sort of thing. If you're yeah. Tons of camping. There's, you know, if you drive up the 108 corridor, there's campgrounds along the way the entire way. So you're going to drive up and you're going to cross over the south fork of the Stanislaus first as you work your way up about 30 minutes above Sonora. And, you know, you'll look down and see the river. And that's that's a great fishing section all the time. So 
that's ideal that you can park there at strawberry you can fish up or down from there there's a bunch of other access points along the way and if you keep driving up the road another 20 minutes you'll end up uh, at a place called clark's fork which is you know a basic a confluence between a smaller creek in the middle fork of the stanislaus mm. and both of those sections are fantastic uh, clark's fork you know there's a dirt road that winds for miles right along it it's a great little section to go catch you know some some wild brook trout some wild rainbows dry fly fishing all day long um it's it's really small so you might be fishing it at you know 20 cfs or something like that um super easy wading you don't need waders and boots and you know i would say the thing about this area too probably like most summertime is all just wet wading neoprene socks and wading boots and you know, great weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from Clark's Fork up to Kennedy Meadows, Kennedy Meadows is a big pack station resort. Um, it's a great little area. Um, but the river anywhere along that section from Kennedy Meadows down to Clark's Fork, you know, all summer long is going to be just prolific. Um, you know, once again, you're usually fishing it under 90 to 100 CFS. On a normal year, July 4th is kind of when the runoff, you know, is, is settling down and it really gets into its, its zone. Um, but same thing, dry flies, dry droppers. Anytime you put a nymph on, you're going to, you know, you're going to do a little bit better, but catch some more quality fish, but there's wild fish in there. There's a lot of planters, but there's a lot of wild fish. There's, you know, a decent amount of Browns. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great section. And then probably the last little sleeper thing. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at saying that, you know, figure out which lakes they are, but there are some amazing, amazing golden trout fisheries up here in the Sierras on the 108 corridor. Oh yeah. So that's right. Yeah. I was going to, I'm glad you mentioned that. That was something when I, when you hear about, yeah, the golden trout, that's definitely a, a unique uh, species. That's uh, so to find more information on that, is there any, uh, any recommendation books, magazines re- or resources, anything you'd note there? Not off the top of my head. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, you know, I just tend to think, you know, get as high an elevation as you possibly can and, and go from there. But there's oh, a lot of, it. there's a lot of information out there. Guys have written about it. Um, you know, that's, you know, probably search golden trout on Google and probably find a couple of, uh, yeah, I'm sure valid sites or information. Yep. And there's a small pocket of anglers around here that have figured out like, Man, it's 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 been incredible to see what those guys have done. So, um, yeah, it's out there. It's just that's one of the ones that you know you have to earn that one. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's well. That's great. We can't uh, we can't give away all the secrets here today. So we'll we'll, we'll keep it uh, keep it there. Um, what about uh, so? Just as we uh, kind of wrap this up here, I'm I always love to throw in a random one and fun one for me. Are you more of a like a podcast listener or music? Say if you're on a road trip or doing something around the house. Oh man, you know, <laughs> uh, I'd say probably more of a music guy. Usually, usually I have to get out of my own head for a minute to be able to figure out to turn something else on to listen to, but yeah, you probably more of a music guy, you know, but I, I actually need to just get into the routine of listening to more podcasts because that's just, that's just information you get to soak up, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Well, you can, you can take a look at some, there's definitely some plenty of great uh, podcasts out there for sure. I, on the music thing, give us a, uh, give us a band or music or somebody, what you enjoy listening to. Uh, if I was going to listen to one, one artist all day long, it'd be Van Morrison. I would, I would have to say, so keep it simple, you know, hard, hard to uh, go wrong there. 
There you go. All right, perfect. I'll, I'll throw a Van Morrison in the uh, in the show notes. So we'll, we'll get a little some. Uh, what, what, what do you? I'm trying to think now, album wise, because he's what he was like. Obviously, back in the day, you know. Uh, but what's his? Uh, what, what would you say? Is there is there a bunch of albums that are great with him, or is there just a couple? Yeah, and you know, like these days, you know how it goes. Listen to music these days. You just put on artists and just hit play, and it just oh, goes right. forever. You know what plays. I mean? So, so yeah, no. I'll add that to our, uh, our we had a little Spotify uh, podcast guest channel. I'll add a little Van Morrison in there, and then uh, and we can check that out <laughs> on Spotify. Having fun with it. So cool, Brian. Well, uh, give us just a heads up in the next kind of year or what you have going. I mean, obviously, you're a year and a half into the shop. What do you think this next six months to a year is going to look like? Anything you want to highlight? Uh, you know, I think we're going to – two game plans. We're going to just try to – work with the community to get some youth angling going. Um, you know, our goal is to, you know, get more and more people into it, do what we can with the sport. We like to try to try to get involved in the community and hopefully that turns into, uh, some local still water guiding. So I think those are our two, two big goals for the next year beyond getting the content down, but you know, really get that lake thing going around here. So are you guiding now on rivers or lakes? We are not. So, um, not yet, man. We're trying to get into it, and it's, you know, you get it. It's a big building process, and so trying to target where those areas are, you know, what what it looks like on a year-round basis, and you know, where where you can take people to get them into uh, into having fun all day long. You know what I mean? Perfect. I love digging into Stillwater. We've had a few great guests on uh, recently. We had Phil Rowley on, and oh my gosh, uh, Brian Chan, and th- they dug into some good stuff. I think. Um, um, Phil's one is a great episode. He dug into his new book and then Brian Chan talked a lot about cam loops, but yeah, yeah. You should check out if you want to see some of our, listen to get a feel for the still water. I would love to do a lot more of it. It's just haven't had enough time yet. So I think we will. So maybe next time when you get this going and you got it dialed in, maybe we'll check back in with you, see how the still water program is going and we can maybe oh, catch great. back up with you then. Yeah. Thank you, Dave, man. It's been amazing. I really appreciate all the time. Yeah, yeah, appreciate you, Brian. We'll send everybody out to uh, sonorafly.com if they have questions. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. Right on, man. All right, thanks for taking the time today and giving us a little broad picture. This has been good. I think that uh, you definitely gave us, you know, if somebody's heading out there, if they're new to it, or even if they kind of know the area, just giving us a little chance to, you know, jump into new water and check it out. So, yeah, until we talk again, man, have a good one. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Have a great one. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes, all links, and everything else we covered today, head over to wetflyswing.com slash 274. 274. 274 will get you there. If you want to check out our local fly shop, our sponsor fly shop this week, head over to wetflyswing.com slash fly shop, and uh, that'll redirect you over to our highlighted fly shop this week. We are headed to the Northeast next week on the podcast, so if you want to uh, get updated when that episode comes live, just uh, head over to wetflyswing.com slash subscribe. That's a wrap for today. That's all I have for you. Thanks again for spending your time, spending a little, uh, little chunk of time with us today. I hope you're excited for the next episode and hope you uh, have a chance to connect with me. You can send me a message online at email dave at wetflyswing.com and would love to hear from you. If you haven't yet checked in with me, just send an email real quick to say hey. Uh, maybe send a pic, send whatever. I'd love to uh, see who you are, how you're doing, and say thanks uh, in person. That's it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. 
For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.